I'm Les Miles, and this is Less is More. Well, what a great weekend for college football. I mean, there were some big games. It, it, I think the uh, I think the Pac-12 kind of displayed who they were. I think the uh, Big Ten took shape. Certainly, the SEC took shape again. As this thing is grinding to the final conclusion, I think everybody's going to see the style of football that's being played, and I think this is exciting. I'm, I'm telling you. Smacker Miles, John Wangler, will also have a uh, conversation with the uh, great head coach at Washington State, Mike Leach, who just beat up on uh, a quality Oregon team and kind of took the lead in the great Northwest. He'll be on, and uh, we had a, uh, a nice conversation, and I think that you all will enjoy that. So uh, how about the favorite thing you saw this week, John? Well, the favorite thing I saw coach was uh, Michigan going up to Michigan State in Spartan Stadium and handling the Spartans 21 to 7. Could have been even uh, worse. We missed a few opportunities that first half. But uh, for Michigan to go up there uh, and take care of business uh, in a must-win game for the, uh, you know, uh, march to the Big Ten Championship, uh, that said a lot. Our defense was simply spectacular. They were stifling. And offensively, we were able to run the ball. Kalan Higdon had a great game, ran for almost 150 yards and had a bunch of carries, and our line blocked well. It was a hostile environment, to say the least. And as you know, Les, having played in that rivalry uh, a few times, uh, there's no love loss, and there hasn't been much here lately. And uh, it was very chippy. We got to have Ben Miles home. A&M was on an off week, so I have to guess that that might be part of Dad's favorite part. <laughs> Good lead. There is no question. We had we had big bodies watching the uh, football game at the uh, at the Miles house. The uh, Ben was uh, it was it was fun to see the uh, the son home. Uh, how did uh, how did uh, your uh, your son do in, in play? Because I saw him on the, I saw him in the game when the uh, big Mason took that touchdown in. Yeah, he had a great block on that uh, on that last touchdown. He had a nice seal, and uh, he did. They put they went with their jumbo yeah. set with the two fullbacks, and uh, you know he did a nice job. As did uh, his good buddy Juwan Bushel Beatty, the left tackle. They uh, they did a nice seal and. Uh, he was able to get in the end zone, uh, and the and they Jared contributed on uh, special teams. Did a nice job on special teams. So it was uh, it was a good uh, a good afternoon and a good showing up there in East Lansing. Yeah, yeah, and and seeing Ben, you're exactly right. That was the fun part because he hadn't been home in quite some time. My favorite part was watching the Tyler Trent interview at the end of the Purdue upset against Ohio State just because he was so touched by that win and seeing the joy that it brought to him. I didn't have many emotional stakes in the game, but seeing how it affected him made my weekend. I agree with you, Smack. That was that was that was tremendously touching and it was it it makes a difference sometimes. That team can connect with people that 
that that want for its success, and that can be a joyous uh, celebration at the end. And certainly, Tyler Trent had that bigger than just that game. The big upset of the weekend, obviously, Ohio State gets beat by Purdue, a blowout. No one expected that. Yeah, I, I think there's something wrong there, John. I think Ohio State. Uh, uh, Coach Meyer just coming back from a suspension. I think the uh, Nick Bosa has uh, left the team uh, to prepare for the NFL draft, and he's a little nicked. And um, I, uh, it, it doesn't seem like a an emotionally sound, uh, motivated football team to get better. And uh, when you let a Purdue team who does not have the talent. Let's tell it the way it is. They, you do not have the talent that a uh, Ohio State does. Now, they played above their ability, and they played hard, and they played hard from start to finish. And I'm talking Purdue because it's a, it's a different feel. I, I, I can't imagine what that locker room must have been like for Ohio State because when you walk off the field being blown out and you're the number two team in the country, and a team that has a great tradition, you're embarrassed. And I don't know that they'll be able to get over this one. This is a, uh, a monumental um, issue for the coaches. It really is because I don't know that they tried hard late in the game. John? Yeah, I caught the last part of it, Les, and, and uh, I had the same assessment. You know, um, First of all, what's baffling me is why they can't run the football. They got arguably, you know, as good a tandem as there is in college football with Dobbins and Mike Weber, and they can't run the football. And they're throwing the ball 73 times. And uh, you mentioned earlier uh, they're trying to come back in the, in the fourth quarter, and they're throwing uh, possession passes. They're seven, seven eight-yard passes. They're not, you know, going for it. And, and, and I don't know what that says or, or, you know, why they would not be – trying to uh, score quickly and get the ball back because they dug themselves a huge hole. Uh, to me, that, that just didn't make it. did look like they, they didn't want to play there at the end, which is not a typical uh, a Buckeye uh, way they play. I agree with you. This is a tough one to come back, and this may, may be way more telling than, than just a, a huge upset in, in uh, West Lafayette. Yeah, you're exactly right. If, if, they, if they look back and they see this film – and they see that they played their butt off, and they've worked hard, and they did all those things. And there's a great in a, in a uh, ability to communicate between the head football coach to the team and the team leaders. Then this thing will be handled. But if there's a problem, and in a, in a, a playoff, excuse me, a a the way they played in the back end of this game, considered. I considered there could be a problem there. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think Coach Meyer is a great coach. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's still some lingering effect from what was his suspension. Michigan beats Michigan State at Michigan State 21-7. to Big win for Michigan. Obviously a very disappointing day for Michigan State. I did not like the mouthiness, John. I didn't like, um, I didn't like the uh, pregame stuff that uh, that went on now and, and the reason I didn't like it is because um, I don't know who started it and I don't know 
how it's um, how it fits into the game, but you know, for somebody to say um, that uh, that it's bush league, and I I, I, I have a you know, it is bush league. There isn't any question about it, but to but to put it on the uh, Mark D'Antonio, I don't know if that's fair. What did you, what, what did you see there, John? Well, we were trying to get into the into the stadium because of the uh, crowd, so we we weren't out there to see what happened. I guess Michigan State has a tradition where they they go uh, walk the length of the field arm in arm, uh, the width wise, all the players are stretched out and they walk the length of the field. I guess, and I'm just recanting what's you know been published and what you know was the accounts of the situation. We had some of our guys were warming up or, get, you know, pregame. They, they're walking around with their headphones, and I guess uh, they were in the middle of the field and just, you know, walking around getting mentally ready, and then Michigan State came came walking through, and they just clotheslined one of our players and ripped the headset off another one, and um, that then that broke out the, the skirmish. And supposedly... Mark D'Antonio, Coach D'Antonio, was accused of being behind him and smiling. I, I, you know, again, I wasn't there and I didn't see it firsthand, but that's what precipitated the the uh, initial, uh, you know, confrontation. And then it carried on, you know, in the game throughout the game. Obviously, we had uh, we had more yards and personal fouls than Michigan State had in total offense. Yeah. So it was. Uh, a very chippy game. The thing that was uh, the only thing that really offset that was that they had offsetting personal fouls too. It had it not been that way, it was a it was a sloppy, you know, game as far as uh, you know flags. It was it was it was not. It, yeah, it, that that set the tempo. Okay, but players are going to get mouthy, and there's going to be a kid that feels the need to act out every now and then, especially pregame when they're getting hyped up and ready to play. My biggest takeaway from that was the fact that Harbaugh commented on it and actually talked about how D'Antonio was apparently standing behind the initial confrontation, acting like D'Antonio is to blame. And really him just getting into it in general was interesting to me, just because if I was the coach, I'd be like, look, I'm going to handle that with in-house. He'll be disciplined. Don't you guys worry about, about it as opposed to bringing the other coach into it. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how uh, John – how uh, Jim Harbaugh could justify that um, disfiguring the, the the Spartan emblem in the center of the field, irrespective of who started what. That's there's some things you do and some things you don't do, and I, I would think that that would be one. And the kids' comment about putting your little brother back in place is a little bit Ooh. untimely in the sense that they haven't won consistently in that rivalry lately john yeah that, those those are all you know those are all facts i mean again we were raised a different way and and, and, and trained uh you know that you let your actions on this field you know speak for themselves you 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 win with class you lose with class um you know i i don't i wasn't there early enough to see what happened you know michigan state i mean obviously there's two sides to every story and uh, emotions are running high, 
And uh, but but the point that you made, Les, that, that we are better than that, and that's not what college football is about. There's always going to be some of that, especially in a in a uh, heated state rivalry like we have here with Michigan State. And um, you know, it's just unfortunate that it got that much attention and it got carried on after the after the game. Mississippi State at LSU. I didn't really expect that to be a close game, and it definitely wasn't. The final score was 19 to three, and consider that one of those 19, like for instance, it was four three pointers for for uh, LSU, and um, one seven pointer based on a a takeaway um, early in the game. So uh, that was not uh, that was not certainly LSU's best uh, outing, but. Mississippi State cannot throw the football. I mean, they cannot throw the football the, the for for five yards. They they are a quarterback carry one hundred percent of the time. And I uh, it was obvious to me that after a very short amount of time, that all um, LSU had to do was play the under the under throws and. And Grant Delpit has and leads the country with five uh, picks. He shoot coach. He just he basically st- stood right on that uh, that quick hitch, and and then it, it was his. Nick Fitzgerald also throws four interceptions, so yeah. four of them very hard to overcome. Four turnovers in any game. Let's talk about that Oregon Washington State game. Dad picked it right, picking a Washington State to win. The. Uh, Mike Leach effect, you know, it's uh, a pretty special coach, guy that uh, knows how the the ball is thrown. And uh, I, I watched a, uh, a significant piece of that game. And, John, here he is in the back end of the game, probably has a two-touchdown lead and is throwing posts down the field, big-time plays, big-time, you know, passes. And that's the only way that he wins this game. I mean, because if he tries to run it and run the clock out, he doesn't have the ability. But he mm-hmm. does have the ability to, to throw the ball down the field. And as he would call his best plays and his best defenses, just routine plays. And But, but they were not routinely um, um, executed. They were... They were executed at a very high level. And Oregon only right. rushed for 58 yards. So Washington State really shut down their rushing game. Yeah, their defense was great. I mean, absolutely great. John? Well, I was just going to say when Smack brought that up, I mean, that to me, uh, you know, every, look at, you know, everyone acknowledges, you know, Coach Leach is a great offensive mind, uh, you, know, you know, a brilliant offensive mind, right? But his defense, I mean, to hold Oregon to 58 yards rushing, I mean, that, that's spectacular. And, and, you know, obviously they're doing some great things on that side of the ball as well. And to me, that, that, that was as impressive as, you know, any of the, the offensive uh, genius that he used to, to throw up 34 points. There was a 27 nothing halftime score with uh, Washington State in the lead. And then they kept they the uh, Oregon team came back to make it 
with 638 left. Now, I want you to know, it's then that the defense played extremely well, but they threw touchdown passes. NC State goes to Clemson. Clemson lets them have it at home. NC State only scores a touchdown the whole game. Clemson wins by over 30 points. And now they don't have much remaining on their schedule. Clemson really put it on a talented North Carolina State team. I think I think it puts them right in position where they need to be. I think they'll end up in a in a playoff for the conference championship and win it and put them in the right in dead end the playoffs. So uh yeah, I I think that uh, I think Dabo's done a nice job preparing because I that that North Carolina state team is talented and for them to play as as dominant against that team lets you know that they're go, they'll be ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I was surprised uh, I was surprised at that score as well. Uh Clemson did a nice job shutting down their quarterback uh He'd been averaging over 300 yards a game, and, and they held him to about half of that. Uh, so, yeah, I think that Clemson defense stood up, and uh, I, I thought it would be a closer game. And uh, but you know, again, it, it, Clemson's I think starting to round into into postseason form, and with what they have left, uh, they are in a great spot to uh, to get one of those final four positions. Everyone's surprised that NC State only put up a touchdown because of having such a, cor- a talented quarterback that's averaging over 300 yards a game. But they hadn't seen a defense like Clemson's. No, they have not. They, and, and that is a athletic, physical defense. I mean, they're they going to knock the living tar out of you. Well, you know, um, one, of the, one of the things that you like to do in the uh, off season, and really any time, is sit down with the football minds that have had great success in college, and and one of the uh, guys that I caught up with not uh, just really most recently was Mike Leach, and uh, Mike is a uh, an air raid uh, um, offensive guru, and really has a number of guys that uh, that he's put into college football as head coaches, and uh, he, it's a real interesting thing about uh, Mike Leach. He never played college football. He is a uh, an attorney. Went to Pepperdine Law School, and uh, he has always got a great perspective on uh, the logistics of college football. And uh, I can remember playing him in the uh, Big Twelve. He had this little piece of paper that had about three plays on it, and he called the game from it. And how in the heck he did that? But. Uh, um, I just think that uh, that we should offer this to our fans as an extra, and uh, and have them realize that uh, because it's not in the studio, we don't have the the same sound quality. But you're going to be able to tell, and it's going to be a a very uh, Mike Leach characteristic uh, conversation. One I certainly enjoyed, and uh, one that I'm sure you will as well. This is Les Miles. This is Mike Leach on the. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing Coach good. Miles. Where are you living nowadays? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So you're still there? Yes, you betcha. The family is very much at home, and uh, it's 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 hard for us to move. I can tell you that. 
Yeah, well, I've always liked it. I actually have a friend that goes out there from time to time. He's a movie director, and, um, you know, they've got all those sound stages, and it's kind of like nobody really knows about them, but Baton Rouge is between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. They're full of all these sound stages off in those lots, and uh, they shoot a ton of movies out there. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. The uh, Right uh, at the end of this Probably three miles away from us is the Celtic Studios, and it's a uh, it's a huge um, studio, and a lot of you know, really big time productions have come out of there. But uh, um, it seems like it uh, has a little ebb and flow. In uh, sometimes they're they're hot to shoot movies, and then sometimes it's cold somehow. So, uh, hey, hey, listen, Mike. Yeah. If you if you don't mind, I just wanted to say, and and thanks thanks for being a part of the uh, Less Is More podcast, and I've I've always enjoyed you. You you you're very difficult to play, but uh, always seem to have a great perspective about sport. In fact, I was sitting here as I was thinking some of the things that I wish I'd do. I'd like to come out there and study a little football with you, and uh, sure, kind of see see what you do. And uh, if I get uh, if I get some free time, the bad news with um, not having a football job is I have a lot of things that my wife is going to insist that I do, and it's just miserable. So yeah, well, you need to just uh, come out to Pullman, just run, run like the wind. I mean, uh, just leave <laughs> leave her a note and just bolt out the door. <laughs> That's the best shot I got. Hey, so I would have to think that the Oregon side, that, that 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 would be one of the bigger games that you have in the uh, in your side of the division. Am I right? You know, in this conference, and, you know, and there's a, a little more mystery to our conference this year than there was last. Because last year there was a bunch of established quarterbacks that everybody knew. Uh, now there's a bunch of new ones that are kind of emerging. But um, – you know, really, if you look at our side, a lot of people, you know, thought Washington's really good, but thought, thought Washington was the best team in the conference overall. Then, of course, you got Oregon and Stanford, who everybody thinks they're pretty good. So, um, and then, you know, of course, everybody thought we'd get our head kicked in, and so far that hasn't been the case. So, we've got to keep maintaining that, you know. As the Pac-12 had playoff teams, um, beyond that, in other words, let's just say you stay perfect from here on out, you win the, the conference, you would have a chance to be in the playoffs. I guess. I, I've never have sorted that uh, <clears throat> that playoff stuff out. I mean, it's as, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of politics goes into that. And, um you know, I don't know. I've always thought they need to expand it. I think they need an expanded playoff system. I think uh, the minimum should be 16 teams, but they could easily go more than that. You'd have to tool the regular season a little bit. But with everybody getting in these bigger and bigger and bigger conferences, I've always thought that, you know, like uh, other classifications of football, Division one should uh, the championship game that should be game sixteen approximately, and then everybody should play twelve, and then an extended playoffs, and 
and you can have a, a, a bowl or, you know, NIT games or whatever you want. But then, uh, in other words, I want to see more football and everybody, uh, from, uh, rec league softball can figure out how to put together a tournament in division one. Can. I think I'm comfortably for expansion. I think that you got to, you have to get more teams involved. You had an undefeated team in uh, Florida that, uh, uh, could well have um, played a significant role in the in the competition, but uh, I still I still see that uh, academic um, burden that uh, do you if you play right straight through some of the academic calendar it would uh, it'd be a problem. So I, I I think they're I think they're trying to have a uh, you know take away the pain of, uh, of practicing and playing for a, a significant game and let them study for their finals. And I think that that is a, uh, that's one of the monster pieces with adding teams to the uh, playoffs. I think it's the only way to go, but uh, it's, it, it, if you were to take the power five conferences and give them an automatic berth, and then you were to take the, best of the rest and give them a shot that would be six that would be easy and if you were to go to eight i mean obviously the more that you expand the the better the the population of teams can be and uh, you know so many times there's that team that's you know like oklahoma state uh, several years ago had an opportunity to, to win a last game and and be in the tournament or be in the uh, national championship and you know fell shy so i uh i think i think everybody wants to hey, hey leach you were so hard to play we i can remember with josh field getting up on about three touchdowns in at oklahoma state in boom Pickens stadium and in about what it seemed to be about three minutes, we were tied and fighting like hell for victory. And I, uh, I, I always remember the uh, that uh, Texas Tech team. That team was really tough. Uh, we had some wild games, no question about it. And I always felt like our rival would change from A and M to you guys if all of a sudden we eliminated A and M because uh, you know all the Tech people would say. We can't stand A&M. We can't stand A&M. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking we have to have the other guy. And and and, yeah. and if all of a sudden you vaporize A&M, well, Oklahoma State's going to replace them within two weeks, you know, as far as uh, yeah. where the attention's directed by our fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no escape in that, you know. Yeah, especially if you take, like you say, if you take – you know Texas A&M out of it, and now and Texas becomes a little bit more viable with with prospects, and Oklahoma State becomes a little bit more viable with prospects, and it changes the the dynamics of the of the league. So, uh, what what was the turnaround? Was the offense the turnaround, or was it the defense being played? Um, with the offense, I, I mean, 
I mean, you won nine games last year. You were, what, three straight bowl games? Um, I mean, and I, I can remember when the Washington State team was not capable. They were not a real – I mean, they won a national championship that, or got in a national championship game, I should say. But the they were not good until you got there. And uh, um, how what, what was what what changed what helped change the culture? You know, I just think just plugging away. You know, it's kind of like uh, just uh, working hard in the factory and keep punching license plates. Really, I mean, um, <clears throat> and I wish there was an exciting, interesting answer, but I, you know, I think. Uh, um, you know, keep doing the same thing over again, just improve it. And then I've had really quality coaches to work with. Um, I think that, um, uh, you know, the biggest thing we had to elevate the talent base and just a tenacious effort recruiting. And then in some cases, uh, you know, speculate on some guys cause we don't get uh, first pick around here. Um, the, uh, but we, you know, we have some really good guys that see the vision and want to play and do what uh, we have to offer, and uh, they want to catch the ball or, you know, like our quarterback. I, uh, you know, I told him he could go sit on the bench at Alabama or he can come here and lead the nation in passing, and right now he does. Um, and then, isn't that great? Yeah, you know, people who want the opportunity to play, who want to make a difference on somebody's team. They don't all need to go to one place. I mean, they need to spread that. They need to spread that around a little bit. And it sounds like you got one. Yeah, and so and so he's doing good. Only having for a year, and then um, the thing we've always battled is uh, our first level guys are, are generally pretty good, and then uh, we need more depth. You know, just the our second level uh, second level can drop off a little, but we're starting to fill that in, and we've got. You know, we're really a pretty young team other than, um, you know, almost all of our receivers are sophomores other than one guy. And um, so we're really a pretty young group. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, uh, and then the other thing is, is I think, um, you know, the, the, the biggest foundational thing you've got to do and I'm sure you'll agree with this is the weight room. You've got to get the right guy in the weight room because that guy sees him more than your coaches do. And you want that to be the right voice. And you want to be that, that person to, you know, uh, have his focus the right direction. So you can, um, <clears throat> you know, just really get the right uh, framework and mindset uh, moving forward. And, and I, and then plus it elevates the toughness, the work ethic of your guys and, and their camaraderie too. The uh, it's interesting. The only coach that coaches the entire team besides the head football coach is the head weight strength um, guy. And if you don't have a great one, you don't have discipline, you don't have team, you don't you have guys showing up late in the weight room. You have guys who are not you know they don't they're not concerned with going to class because there's no discipline and it is a huge hire, and uh, I agree with you. We had a great uh, – when I was at Oklahoma State, I went and studied the, the weight strength coaches. I wanted to know who the, who the best guy was, and I kept coming back to 
a guy at LSU in Tommy Moffat. And lo and behold, a year later, I um, am, the, am, the, am the head coach at LSU and very happy with uh, with my weight strength coach, Tommy Moffat. Hey, I got one last question for you, Mike, because yeah. this, this is one that you would enjoy, I would think. If you – would you rather be the – president of the United States or win a national championship in football? Oh, that's a tough question there. That really is kind of a tough question because, and they're, you know, they're weirdly similar jobs from the standpoint, virtually everybody thinks they can do your job better than you can do it. You know, Uh, I mean, whether you're a president or a football coach, I mean, there's there's literally children uh, sitting around that think they know more about your job than you do, and and, uh, and same way with the president. So they're they're similar from that standpoint. Uh, you're you're that you know as good as you do, you're going to be half right. But uh, I don't know. I, you know that Air Force One's kind of got an appeal to it. Um, <laughs> you, you know, do. but. Uh, Flying around the country, what you're saying in, in a uh, big time plane is kind of fun. So, uh, well, that 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 sounds good. You got the international thing. Of course, their press corps seems even more annoying than some of them you run into in uh, college football. Football. Um, you know, you you you'd, you'd have a lot of interesting friends in the end. Um, but uh, but the, you know that that national championship trophy sure would look good. And that's a thing that. Yeah. Uh, that would be, you know, that school and, and you and your players, because there's a there's an incredible camaraderie between a coach and players on on any level of accomplishment and something of that magnitude. Everybody together achieving it uh, is something outstanding. I'm Coach Spurrier was up here. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier, senior, was up here and uh, talked to our team, and he uh, uh, pointed out that. You know, they had a team there at Duke, and they won the first ACC championship ever at Duke. And he said that that brought uh, that group of people together in a fashion that they have a reunion every year, that they get back there every uh, and go back there and manage to meet up for that reunion. And uh, and just, uh, you know, just the, just the way and the fashion that it brought everybody's uh, lives together in that way is, is is something pretty special, you know. I agree with you. I, I I think that there's it's interesting, you know. College football coaches really want to do a lot. They want to, you know, have an effect on the young men that they coach, so that they can have a uh, rich and rewarding life and the 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 experience of a team who has accomplishment is something that ties everybody together and uh but the uh the uh the want and the ability to affect people as the president of the united states i don't know i i uh i i I, if somebody presented me with that particular uh offer i'd i'd need to know how often i could get the uh, air force one to go do the things I wanted to do. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Well, 
then of course you'd want to get to the bottom of area 51 you'd want to know everything right. about that <clears throat> and see what exactly they do know about ufos and what they don't um you'd want to um you know there'd definitely be some national secrets you'd want to know and uh you know you could get to the bottom of some stuff there you know and then uh uh i think yeah. strategy i think strategy played on international politics by a football coach would work i think that they would oh i don't think there i don't think there's any question i don't think there's yeah. any question i mean because uh, people trying to find practical solutions to practical problems, and football coaches do that too. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, you you know, there's problems that are going to walk through the door every day, and you got to fix them. No if you don't fix them, um, nobody's going to. And um, so, I think that part's beneficial. Now, this president job that is a, a suit and tie job, and I got to be honest, that's that part <laughs> doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah, well, you, hey, you want shorts, you want a t-shirt, a whistle, and hey, you can come to work any way you want to. You're the president. Yeah, well, that uh, there'd be there'd be some other presidents rolling over in their graves, but um, it'd be fun while it lasted. Hey, hey, Mike, if if you don't mind, I will in in when in the right time come up and visit. I uh, I uh, I enjoy uh, root for you. And uh, want you to have success. Yeah, no, that'd be outstanding. Come anytime. Okay, great. Hey, hey, Mike, thanks for being a part. This is uh, this has been a real joy. I know that the people that that tune in on our podcast will enjoy getting the philosophy in the field, of Mike Leach. Yeah, shoot, uh, um, my pleasure. Happy to be on anytime. Tell them to buy my books. Tell them to buy my uh, the swing the swing your sword book, uh, which that made yeah. the New York Times bestseller, and then the book on Geronimo is a good one too. That is that's awesome. There's those are two great books, and and really should be must reading. I got to get those myself. Hey, enjoy yourself, and thanks. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. We can start our predictions for this coming week with another Clemson game. Clemson is at Florida State. Does Florida State have a chance? Clemson at Florida State. At the, the at Florida State gives them the chance. Um, no. I, I'm, I'm picking Clemson. I think that they are, like, like was said in this podcast earlier by someone other than me, they're rounding into shape, getting ready to... Uh, make a run. They realize that it's too late in the season for them to make a mistake, and they played a very talented um, North Carolina State team off their feet, and that's that tells you where they're at. They're at. I I think Florida State at four and three has no chance. I agree. They're not playing inspired. John, you know it all starts with the offensive line, and um, they're. Uh, They've had trouble trying to get the right combination there. And, and uh, I just, you know, Clemson's been in the postseason and, and have won it, you know, and, and they're one of the premier programs in the country. And they know how to, to how to come down the stretch. And, and, and I don't think they're going to falter, even playing in Tallahassee. I, I just think they're too strong. How about the uh, Florida State team is going to play Clemson, 
then North Carolina State, and then Notre Dame. I, I just want you to know, I think they're in a world of trouble. It'll be very interesting to see how that team finishes the season. The game I'm most excited for this coming weekend is Texas A&M at Mississippi State. We have some ugly colors in that game, but we're going to get through it and hope that the Aggies win. Dad? Does Nick, okay, does Nick Fitzgerald have a chance to bounce back from LSU's defense and what he faced this past week? I think it's a. I think Nick Fitzgerald and what they did against um, LSU will show everybody how to defend them. Just knock the hell out of the quarterback run and let them throw the football because they'll throw the football to you and you will win. And that's just the way it is. Um, and until they get a guy that can throw the football as well as run the football, they're not going. It is the greatest play action opportunity, and I didn't see it the whole day. In other words, run off to the right, duck your shoulders like you're going to go up in a hole, step back, and make a throw an, an underneath intermediate throw. But the the underneath intermediate defenders are all on the run to make the tackle. And that's what they have to do. And on top of it, A&M had an off week. So Ben is laying on the couch watching Mississippi State get beat badly, physically bruised. How big of a difference does that make just for a team to have a physical battle or an off week? Freshness, John. I'm, I take freshness over uh, a, a game, and especially late in the season. And I think that that's where uh, A&M will be. A&M will be a fresh their legs will be fresh. They'll be, you know, it'll be a great time for Jimbo to have a great game plan, and uh, yeah, I think they'll be. And I think, I think A and M is is definitely going to win. First, first, I want to take offense to uh, Smack's comment on the colors of both A and M and Mississippi State. They have some beautiful uniforms made by Adidas. Uh, spectacular striping. And uh, color blocking on both sets of uniforms, bad, and I, I, I applaud the uh, designers at Adidas for what they've done with those two beautiful I colors agree. of A and M and Mississippi. Beautiful now, colors, now, though, no, or beautiful John, uniforms. But John, it's it's a light. It's a light tomato. I, I really mean, didn't think I was stepping on any toes. Like maize and blue are pretty colors. Yeah. Yeah. But you were stepping on Adidas' uh, unbelievable cut lines. That, that's uh, too right. I said colors. Color was very right. specific. All right, but they will be beautiful uniforms on both sides. Of the, okay, the blocking the field. and the design and the cut of the jersey will be wonderful. And the in the, in the spectacular uh, speed cleats, the Adi Zero 5.0s that we will be profiling in this game. Okay, but I do I do pick A and M, and and I I typically. Uh, get a little nervous coming off a bye week. I like to play through because you get teams out of a rhythm. Sometimes they don't react correctly, but towards the end of the year when they're beat up, uh, I'm with you on fresh legs. And, uh, you know, LSU, playing LSU and, and that, t- that defense, uh, it, it takes a lot out of you. So, I, I uh, yeah, I'm going to go with A&M as well. Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville, one of the greatest rivalries, some of the best tailgating I've ever seen. Who are you picking, Dad? I, you know what? I'm going to listen to John handicap the game first, and, and I'm going to listen to your pick, and then I'm going to pick because I do not want you to pick my super secret pick. So go ahead. John? Well, my not-so-secret pick is, uh, is Georgia. 
I'm going to go with the dogs. Uh, I think, you know, only losing to LSU. Uh, I like their defense. Florida has a good defense as well. I just, I just feel uh, with them, uh, it's a home game in Jacksonville for them. Uh, but I, I think, and again, it's the greatest tailgate party in the history of tailgate parties. But um, I just think Georgia uh, is going to be able to handle them. Uh, Jake Fromm, I think, is going to step up offensively. Uh, I, I just think, I, I don't know if Florida is quite ready for this, uh, knowing that this is going to, uh, whoever wins this is probably going to be able to represent the East in the, in the title game. I just, I'm, I'm picking the dogs on this one. Hmm. Go ahead, uh, Smack. I have a hard time with this one just because I'm picking whichever team has the quarterback who has the best day just because Jake Fromm and Felipe actually have very similar stats on the year with 1,400 yards, both just over 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns or 13 touchdowns, four or five interceptions, very comparable. And both have shown really bright spots and really spots that were weak and serious concerns of decision-making skills. So I'm going with whichever, which, with whichever quarterback is hot that day. I would like – I think I think Florida has a shot, though. I really do. I, I'll pick Florida. The, um, here's, here's my, uh, my view. My view is that Georgia will have a very difficult time scoring points against a, a good Florida defense. So – I think that piece in itself is if if as long as uh, Felipe Franks does not throw picks and they can hand the ball off and get yards, which they have a decent running attack, that defense, the Florida defense, will stuff Georgia because I do not believe in Georgia's running backs, and I I, I have not felt that uh, the quarterback can handle a game where he can't hand the ball off and get yards and take a comfortable break, you know, while you're getting first downs. And so I am going to take Florida. Um, I, I think they, uh, I think they, they showed that they can play hard. Um, and uh, when they, when they beat that uh, LSU team. Iowa goes to Penn state. I'm picking the uh, Nittany lions. Um, I just think they know that uh, if they lose to Iowa, uh, their season uh, is, is going to be uh, over as far as you know, championship hopes. So I think um, I think that uh, they're going to play. I'm sure it'll be a, a, a white out there and, and uh, coming off, uh, you know, losing to Michigan State. Uh, they know that they have us the following week. Uh, I believe uh, I just think Penn State's going to going to get them at home. I was a good team. Um, they haven't ran the ball real well this year. Uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, their defense is what carries them, and I think you know Penn State's going to be able to put some points on the board. They're going to have to uh, be able to score, and uh, I, I just don't think they're going to be able to go into Happy Valley and get Penn State knowing what's on the line for the Nittany Lions. They're playing at Penn State. I think that's really the difference, and it's a uh... – they had a uh, Iowa, who's a six and one team, certainly is a tough, blue collar, uh, fight you to the death team. But uh, um, 
I, I think the uh, Trace McSorley is – I think he's an advantage for them in terms of throwing the football and running the football. And uh, they have a, uh, a comfortable um, running attack. Uh, and with Miles Sanders, 700 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. I like that. I think he's, I think he's a uh, an advantage for uh, Penn State. And uh, they this uh, Hamler, 18 receptions for 374 yards, 20 yards per catch. I I, I just I just see that uh, Penn State having the ability to move the football uh, against a. Uh, a very good Iowa team, and I don't think that Iowa has the talent that uh, that Penn State does. So I agree. I think Penn State wins at home. I think Iowa wins. Coming off a shutout, their defense is going to be feeling good, and then Penn State was in a close game with Indiana. So I think that Iowa has more momentum, and they'll be ready for this challenge. Wow. Good call. Look at you. Uh, nice job, guys. Uh, this is uh, – it's been a lot of fun, so let's uh, let's enjoy the week, John. The the predictions. I think I think I've got the lead. You been. have less, but you know what? It's a long season. We got <laughs> it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So a lot of quality games are going to be played here for the next uh, four or five weeks. So just relax. We're good. Dad was undefeated last weekend, huh? Yeah, I think I, uh, I think I was, I made the pick here, uh, Wanks. Yeah, you were Washington some... State last. You, you went on a limb because you knew Coach Leach was coming on, so you picked him, and I went with Oregon. But that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, Oregon. That's, that that's the only way you, you picked the you know, you... Oregon. What's that? Oregon and Arkansas. That's how. Yeah, I, Oregon. I, I said Oregon. Yeah, exactly. Oregon and Arkansas. Oregon, definitely Oregon. You've been hey, you've been down in uh, you've been down in Louisiana. In the Bayou too long. That's exactly right. So, uh, well, hey, uh, all of those that are that are listening, uh, we will uh, be back in the uh, in this the as the funnel of successful teams gets thinner and thinner. Um, with victories being more important as these playoffs get uh, a little closer, uh, we'll all uh, enjoy how this thing finishes. So, in the meantime, less is more. Get smack this. Talk to you later. Yeah, yeah it was smack talk. Let's get you. Oh, this is over. This is like the longest outro ever. <laughs> See, hey, my wife's my my daughter is my wife. My wife has told her to come here and wear me out. So, um, uh, these millennials, man, what are you gonna do with them? The Players Tribune. Dot com.